Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This will be our last episode for 2020. It's been a really strange year, just to say the least, but we're looking forward to what the new year 2021 will bring. And so I'm wishing you all a wonderful holiday. May you stay warm, blessed, and healthy. This year, I have only one thing on my Christmas list, which is the continued support and help of all you great listeners out there. If you can please rate and review the podcast, that would be an amazing gift to us. And if you're really feeling generous, Please give the gift of sharing the Great Fail Podcast with your friends and family. Thank you for all your support. In the new year, we will return on January 13th with our regularly scheduled program. The boys would come in at the thick of night because we're photographers and the press were everywhere, but they never sang a note. Welcome to episode 24 of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails, what led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I am your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be looking at Millie Vanilli. It was one of the hottest music events of the year. MTV had just launched their first club MTV tour featuring some of the hottest musical acts on the planet, including Information Society, Paula Abdul, and Tone Loke. The concert was hosted by downtown Julie Brown, and in the crowd, 80,000 screaming fans were all waiting to see the headliner, German dance pop group Milli Vanilli. A year prior, Millie Vanilli had released their single, Girl You Know It's True, which peaked at number one on the German singles chart and stayed on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 for 26 weeks straight. The crowd went into a frenzy as Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus, the members of the band, stepped onto the stage in their black and white spandex and signature braids. Dazzling the crowd, they performed the very song that took the world by storm, captivating just about anyone watching, and danced and sang with undeniable charisma as they had done so for many months. But just as the song was about to get to the hook, something devastating occurred. A hard drive issue caused the track to jam and skip, repeatedly playing a partial lyric over and over again, sounding something like this. Girl, you know it's, girl, you know it's, girl, you know it's. Both Morvan and Pilatus continued to pretend to sing and dance, but only for a few minutes before one of them, Pilatus, panicked and ran off stage. That was the summer of 1989, and this event would become one of the biggest music scandals in history. 
Welcome to the story of Millie Vanilli, topping the charts in 1988, blacklisted by 1990. When Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus were first introduced to the music world, they rose to fame almost instantly with their godlike bodies, model good looks, and the ability to rock the stage. By rocking, I'm referring to them gyrating and that single-footed sideways move, a staple of theirs. Their first song, Girl You Know It's True, came out in March of 1989, and altogether, the band had five singles that entered the top five of the Billboard Hot 100. Three of them went straight to number one. These songs were Baby Don't Forget My Number, Blame It On The Rain, and Girl I'm Gonna Miss You. All four songs went six times platinum, and with their deal with Arista Records, Millie Vanilli sold millions upon millions of copies worldwide. This year marks their 30th anniversary of when everything went down. And it's funny when I listen to their songs now, how elementary their arrangements were, even the lyrics, so basic, almost to the point of being unoriginal. But back then, they were pretty sensational. I remembered them alongside Taylor Dane's Tell It To My Heart and Rick Ashley's Never Gonna Give You Up to George Michael's Father Figure and Billy Ocean's Get Out Of My Dreams. Basically, that year, 1988, my Walkman was plenty busy. And they certainly left an imprint because decades after they've been gone, Millie Vanilli still is legendary, but not for the way that they would like. Today, they're synonymous to a certain kind of fraudulence in pop culture and beyond. A few years ago, rap titan Drake was publicly criticized and deemed as the Millie Vanilli of hip-hop when it was discovered that he didn't write his own songs. And in 2018, NBA Warriors coach Steve Kerr was known as the Millie Vanilli of coaching, implying that he wasn't really coaching and was instead just reaping the benefits of his players' generational talents. Little did Morvan and Pilatus ever dream that their legacy would end up more of a tragedy. Here's something that many people don't know about Millie Vanilli. Their debut song, Girl You Know It's True, was already a hit before the band existed. You see, German record producer and songwriter Frank Farian, known as a god in the industry, heard the original version by a little-known band based in Baltimore called New Marks. Farian knew he could make the song a real hit, and so he assembled a team to recreate a newer version, speeding it up and adding a Eurodance track element to it. He then recruited Charles Shaw to rap on the track, Brad Howell and John Davis as lead vocals, and then backup singers, twin sisters, Jody and Linda Rocco. Wait a minute, that's us. That's us singing. Because the majority of the parts that you sing to, that's us. All the pretty harmonies and all the, the hooks to the songs, all the earworms, they call them, Orvoma in German, all those things are two girls singing. <laughs> Not the boys rapping. That's Jody Rocco. 
And she, along with her twin sister, Linda, became members of Millie Vanilli, the singers that no one knew about. She was in her 30s when she first got involved with the band, and it was all through happenstance. When I got involved with Millie Vanilli, I was in my early 30s, actually, when I first heard about or did anything with Millie Vanilli. But I wasn't even supposed to be there. My sister was in the studio, and she was supposed to be doing backup with another very famous singer in Germany named Helen Schneider. She was from New York. She was a Broadway singer, and she was working on an album. And the girl that she was supposed to be singing with, Linda, my sister, couldn't make it. So she called me. She said, I need your help. You know, and I never did backups in the studio. I was not a fan, never liked it, never wanted to be a part of it. And she's, please come down, please help me. And it was in Frankfurt. I lived in Dusseldorf. I said, okay. So I go down and we're in Frank Farian's studio right outside of Frankfurt in a little town called Rosbach. And we're doing these ridiculously Broadway like backing vocals. And he he's listening to this and he said, girls, on your lunch break, you guys want to come over and do something for me? And I told my sister, God, I hope it's not Uden Oz and I love you because he's a German producer, very famous, very well known, sold millions and millions and millions of records. Bonnie M, you name it. The guy was very famous. And of course, we're cracking up. We're laughing. And we get in the studio. And what does he want us to sing? Ooh, 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 I love you. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to kill her. Jody and Linda took 20 minutes to record the backup vocals on that song. By that point, Farian had the song and the name. Now all he needed was a face that he could bring to the fans. The single was done. In fact, the cover to the single had no picture. And the reason the group was Millie Vanilli was because Frank's girlfriend, Ingrid, who was also the in the studio all the time when we were in the studio in Frankfurt, her nickname was Millie. And he used to call her Millie Vanilli. So he named the group Millie Vanilli. But there was no group. When Girl You Know It's True came out, we recorded this sometime in March. I think it came out in June or July. And it was a huge summer hit. It was on all the hit parades in all the different countries in Europe and South America. And it was just a huge summer hit. In October, Frank invited us to come back in the studio. And when we came back in the studio, he showed us pictures and said, which guys do you think would be the best in fronting group? And we thought, you know, I knew Rob because he used to dance in my shows. He used to be one of my backup dancers if I was doing TV or something like that in Munich. I didn't know who Fabrice was, but they were two good-looking boys. And it's like, okay, yeah, they'll work. Now, Farian was already a well-known producer, albeit one with a bit of a shady track record. He had garnered success earlier with a previous group he managed called Boney M, which was fronted by four Caribbean singers. They were extremely successful, only for the world to discover later on that it was Farian himself who sang on the tracks. And by later, I mean 25 years later. You see, Farian knew how important image was in the entertainment industry. And so when he spotted Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus, everything clicked for him. For Morvan and Pilatus, the opportunity was like hitting the jackpot. Both men were young, attractive, hungry. Both were living in housing projects, dancing at nightclubs in Munich, and modeling. Also, even stealing food to get by. Farian came along and offered them $4,000, which was enough to pay all of their bills and a little bit more. The contract was signed and Millie Vanilli became official. And with the release of this first single, 
Farian started speaking to Clive Davis from Arista Records. It was all lining up perfectly, except for a minor detail, which was that both Morvan and Politis didn't sing a note. It was very common in Europe to have other people, have really good looking people, I should say. I mean, Brad and John, Brad was in his maybe late 40s, a retired GI, same with John Davis, just not your GQ cover guys. Frank wanted somebody, you know, fresh. No one ever expected this to be so huge. No one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The ghost singers, which included Jody, were shocked the first time Pilatus and Morvan showed up at the $10 million studio because instead of singing, Morvan and Pilatus went down to the basement pool to hang out for hours instead of working like everyone else. But interestingly enough, Morvan and Pilatus claimed later that they had always asked Farian if they would be able to sing and he always kicked the can further down the road. If you're wondering just how difficult or easy it was to pull something like this off, this type of deception, here are a few things that Farian did to cover their tracks. Number one, he made sure to keep Jody Rocco and the rest of the real singers far away as possible from Pilatus and Morvin. Number two, he would bring the ghost singers into the studio late at night after paparazzi snapped all the photos of Morvin and Pilatus working in the studio during the day. And number three, no one from the label was ever able to travel with the band because Farian insisted they needed to retain their creative direction. And perhaps they would have been able to pull all this off a little bit longer had it not been for the MTV tour. Aside from that, though, other suspicions were starting to emerge. But before we get into that, a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Are you stuck on holiday shopping? This holiday season, give a gift that means so much more. Why not make your own handmade gift with one of Skillshare's online classes? Skillshare is an online learning community for creatives and curious people who want to dabble or master a skill. They offer a combination of video lessons, class projects, and most classes are under 60 minutes. Best of all, it fits your schedule or skill level of just about any topic. I recently took a class called The Staples of Branding because it was taught by a streetwear designer icon that I've been following for years and it felt like I was having a one-on-one class. It was insightful and I walked away knowing so much more about how to create a strong foundation for a product launch. 
Skillshare is offering listeners of The Great Fail a special deal. So explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash TGF and get a free trial premium membership. That's two weeks free at Skillshare, S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E.com slash TGF. I just calculated my work days and realized I spend 60% of my professional life writing. If I'm not researching or on calls, I'm writing emails, proposals, and scripts for the Great Fail podcast, which is why I'm thrilled about my AI digital writing tool, Grammarly. They essentially help you level up your writing for work, school, personal projects, anything. Grammarly does all the hard work like review your grammar, correct your spelling, even provide suggestions on replacing your words. And what I love most is that you get to customize features like the tone and formality of the document. It works across all multiple platforms like Outlook, Slack, Gmail, and your favorite apps and sites. You'll get 20% off when you sign up for Grammarly Premium when you join Grammarly.com slash TGF. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash TGF. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp Online Counseling. Are you feeling stuck or do you think something is preventing you from achieving your goals? There's a lot going on these days and even for myself, I've found some days are harder than others. Let's face it, we all need a little support sometimes. If you're dealing with stress, anxiety, trauma, or just need someone to talk to, BetterHelp is here to help. They offer online licensed counselors who are trained to listen and connect with you in a safe, private online environment. It's not self-help. This isn't a crisis line. It's professional counseling at your fingertips. Fill out a questionnaire specific to your needs and get matched with a counselor in just 24 hours and then secure video phone sessions plus unlimited messages. It's confidential. It's easy. It's affordable. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash the great fail. Join the 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash the great fail. The MTV tour had put a strain on the band's ruse, but there were other suspicions emerging. An executive with MTV, Beth McCarthy Miller, was starting to suspect foul play after the band did their first interview with the channel. Their thick accents and limited command of the English language raised eyebrows around how they were able to sound so different on the record. For instance, Politis would pronounce a sentence like, I miss you, to sound like, I miss you. And yet, they could sing their lyrics without any hint of accents. Despite that, however, their fans gave little credence to naysayers. And over time, it seemed like the line between truth and lies were becoming so blurred that Morvan and Pilatus' reality and judgment, too, were getting to be hazy. And now keep in mind, we were already going back in the studio. The boys flew over on the same plane that I was on because I had moved back to Las Vegas in 1990. In October of that year, I went back to Germany with the boys on plane for visual PR purposes to record. And they would come in late at night. There was a pool in the basement of the <laughs> of the studio. It was a $10 million studio when most studios cost a million to build. It was one of the first of its kind digital studios in Germany, in Europe, in fact, far studios. And the boys would come in at the thick of night because there were photographers and the press were everywhere day and night outside of the studio, but they never sing a note, not even a half note. 
During an interview with Time Magazine, Pilatus was quoted saying, We are more musically talented than Bob Dylan. Musically, we are more talented than a Paul McCartney. A really bold statement for someone who never sang a note. Later, Morvan asserted that that quote was taken out of context by the magazine and likely compounded by his former bandmates' poor English. And behind the veil, Jody was getting paid to deceive the world, but not as much as the faces of the band. And as Millie Vanilli got bigger, she felt like the treatment from Farian became harsher and harsher. It was it was absolutely awful. It was it was horrible. That's why when we did the second album in October, when I came back and Frank was trying to finagle with us how much money he was going to pay us after he gave the boys a couple million as a bonus. Brad and John gave him a huge bonus and we got 2,000 marks and a couple platinum records. Yeah, that doesn't pay my rent. So when we, Frank was paying us, he gave us a check and I said, that, that is not going to work. Uh-uh. You're going to have to think a little bit harder because this is an insult. Now, keep in mind, this is one of the most powerful men in the music industry in the world, not just some fly-by-night German producer. He said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you more money, but I'm going to burn the master tapes. And I said, you're the one who has to answer to Clive Davis and Arista Records, Coca-Cola, the sponsors of this record, not me. I go home and buy a car for me and my husband. What you do with your master tapes, that's your business. It'd be a foolish move because, well, I could have gotten any, I could have gotten any black singer from England. Yeah, but you didn't. You got two white girls from Cleveland. So she picked up the phone and decided to drop a bombshell. I called CBS in Las Vegas and I said, I have a story for you. I said, I'm one of the original singers for Millie Vanilli. They hung up on me. So I called him back and I was living in Vegas. And I said, please don't hang up. My name's Jody Rocco. I'm one of the original singers from Millie Vanilli, and I have a story for you. And they listened to me, and it hit the press the next day. Farian, the marketing genius and strategist that he was, took control of the situation by calling his own press conference. Of course, Frank Farian, when he says, I'm going to hold a press conference about Millie Vanilli, it has a little bit more credibility than Jody from Vegas. You know what I'm saying? It's a little bit different when you have that kind of public figure, especially, you know, there was no social media. If it was today, he'd be dead in the water. He wouldn't have a chance. Not yes. with cell phones, pictures, videos, you name it. Except he turned around and did something that no one expected. He immediately turned around, hired an 18-year-old girl, said she's the original singer because we had just come back from Germany doing the second album. It was completely produced already. It was done. Mixed, produced, mastered, the whole bit. Gets this 18-year-old singer, a black guy with uh, braids, and says, now, this is the real group right here. And put Brad, John, this 18-year-old girl, this other guy, and said, the real Millie Vanilli. And I, whoever would listen to me, I had a conversation with them. I called every radio station. I called every newspaper. I did every interview I possibly could and said, this person, these people had nothing at all to do with us. And when he decided to do the real Milli Vanilli, his people called my people, so to say, and said, do headshots, get professional headshots done. We're going to do the real Milli Vanilli and have you, Brad, John, and Linda, and everybody, and we're, we're going to have this group. Another lie. Never happened. 
The ending was big and theatrical. Pilatus and Morvan returned their Grammy. Arista dropped them and deleted Millie Vanilli entirely from their music catalog. Angry fans demanded refunds and also filed a class action lawsuit against the band, alleging fraud. Just as quick as they became an overnight sensation, Millie Vanilli went down hard, becoming one of the most notorious scandals in music history. The years afterwards were plagued by mudslinging, putting the blame on everything but the rain, with Morvin and Pilatus accusing Farian of duping them into a contract for lip syncing. They felt like victims too. After all, Farian had strung them along, promising their chance to really sing one day. In 1993, they released a self-titled comeback album. However, it was a total flop, and Pilatus fell into a dark place, struggling with the constant, overwhelming negative attention of the group. His depression led to drug abuse and alcohol abuse, which in turn led to problems with the law, breaking and entering, and assault, and jail time. The tailspin finally ended in tragedy in 1998 when Politis died of a drug overdose in his hotel room in Germany. He was 33 years old. He had gone back to Germany because Frank said, let me help you. I will help you get back on your feet. I will help you do something musically. And he was in rehab and he drank with his rehab medication and he inadvertently killed himself. I honestly don't believe that was his intention, but when he wasn't answering, I want to say it was Frank's office or Frank calling him, and then they had to break down the, the door to go in and see what happened. Millie Vanilli's downfall is an example of what could happen in industries that are dominated by the powerful, a select few who are considered untouchable, some people suffered from this tragic fall, while others, more specifically Farian, though the main architect and mastermind, came out unscathed. Instead, Morvin and Pilatus were framed as the villains, left to take the fall for Farian's plan. The two weren't without blame, but they weren't the only ones who deserved to take all the heat. And things got even murkier when you look back now at how things started. Farian went and found two people living in poverty and took advantage of their desperation. Now, how many of us can honestly say that we wouldn't have signed the contract if we were in their shoes? It's called money. Do you know how much money the first album made? I think 700 million in 1989. We sold 46 million records in a year and a half. 46 million records in 1989. That's some people's lifetime career is 80 million. We sold 46 in a year and a half. And that talks. That kind of money talks. This was more than a failure of discovered fraud. In many ways, Millie Vanilli's story shines a light on how inequitable distribution of power and money can create an environment where something like this can happen. Frank Farian had influence and money. Rob Pilatus and Fab Morvin did not. But aside from that, let's be honest. Pop music has always been manufactured, 
artists have always been produced and assembled for entertainment purposes. It's not a new trend. This formula has been around for ages. But when you combine greed with desire, it will almost always end poorly. Farian's greed for money, Morvan and Pilatus's desire for fame, this type of drive runs industries, makes for great successes, but explosive failures. And with every great failure, there is always a fall guy. Special thanks to Jody Rocco, the original member of Millie Vanilli, for sharing her commentary and experience in working with the band. And thank you for tuning in to this week's The Great Fail. Please make sure to visit our website at thegreatfail.com for behind-the-scene audio and video footage. If you like these episodes and want us to continue bringing you more, please subscribe to our newsletter because, well, not connecting with you would be our great fail. While you're at it, simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. The research on each episode is extensive, but none of them would be possible without the tireless efforts of researchers, writers, and reporters. They are all credited on thegreatfail.com under our show notes. Lastly, you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Great Fail Pod. And please subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes to show your support. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And remember, folks, with great failure comes great liability. I'm a-